Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Josh Rose, Chief Business Officer at FIVO. We'll dive a little bit uh, into what FIVO is, as well as Josh Josh's journey uh, to get to where he is, and then uh, a little bit about his journey through the Islanders and the Yankees, and I'll let him touch on that. But nonetheless, Josh, welcome to the podcast. Jake, thanks for having me, man. Excited to be here. Excited to have you, and and let's just dive in. You know, you started your career off in in the professional hockey and baseball world, and uh, we'll touch on the transition to FIVO uh, over the last couple of years. But what was your mindset going into the you know the professional sports world coming out of college? Yeah, it's it's a good question. Um, you know, look, I I studied business in college. Um, I was always great with people. Um, had a little bit of ADD as well, right? Like I like to be on the move and kind of a fast paced environment. So I always kind of thought, you know, sales or business development or partnerships in some capacity, I think would be a really good fit. Um, you know, coming out of college, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to get into, but sports obviously was something that I was, I was passionate about and, and, um, you know, was something that I was interested in exploring. And, you know, after obviously doing a lot of research, you know, looking at teamwork online, talking to some mentors, right? I kind of did all my diligence. I uh, kind of found that, you know, inside sales was, um, you know, a good kind of foot into the industry and, and obviously a good place to learn as well. Yeah, I mean, from a sales perspective, you can't, can't get any better than the couple of properties that you started at. And um, just want to talk about the experience in sales. A lot of people whether they're coming out of college or they're starting their career are usually, you know, they're scared of sales, right? They're afraid of it. They are intimidated by it. They think it's not going to be fun. Uh, you know, Pat Gallagher, one of our co-hosts is, is all about sports sales experience and just sales experience in general. Um, you're selling all the time, right? No matter what you're doing, whether you're, whether your title says sales or not. So what are some of those myths or, uh, kind of things that you would combat and to, to those who are trying to get their foot in the door or transition into sales at some point because they realize that they're, you know, relationship minded or competitive or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let me start with a little background context. So when I started in inside sales at the Nets, um, at the time, I felt like it was the worst thing that had ever happened to me and a terrible decision but really in, in the grand scheme of things, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So um, the Nets that year um, had broke the NBA losing record, right? Uh, they had also announced, you know, a few years prior that they were already moving to Brooklyn. Um, so man, talk about a tough selling environment. And then, you know, look like the inside sales program at the time, uh, the Nets nowadays have, I think, one of the best, you know, sales programs in, in, in the industry. But at the time, you know, like the 20 inside sales team members shared three computers. Uh, we were given no leads, right? Like only the full-time kind of staff got, got access to the good leads. And, you know, literally I was, I was you know, looking up Chamber of Commerce lists online and, and literally sometimes dialing out of the phone book. Um, and, and that was my those are my resources to be successful, right? So I got used to being told no a lot and I got used to figuring out how to do a lot with a little. Um, you know, so from there I went to the Islanders and I went to the Yankees and, and actually, you know, pretty quickly I learned that that Nets platform was one of the best things um, 
to happen to me at the start of my career. I kind of give you that context for your question because, you know, selling, I think, you know, previously, when you think about a sales job, you think about, you know, people sitting at a desk, you know, banging out 50, 100 calls a day, nonstop. Um, man, sales is much different now than it was, you know, even five or 10 years ago. Technology has completely disrupted the sales process, whether it's, you know, Salesforce or automated tools to do your follow-ups. Um, I think, you know, sales from a technology perspective is kind of a sexy gig now. And, um, you know, it's a great way to network with people and, and meet people. And, you know, whether you end up doing business with them or not, it's a, it's a great way to build your career and, and to put yourself out there. And I think you, you don't only learn a lot about yourself, you learn a lot about other industries as well. Um, whether it's, you know, some standard industries like law or accounting or whether it's, you know, technology. And, I, you know, you meet a lot of different people from different facets of life. And I think you, you can't really put a price on that. Well, being in being in the area that you're in in New York, there's businesses of all kind. What's the oddest business uh, that you've called upon that you've actually sold to? Oh man, that's actually uh, that's a tough question. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the the businesses are so diverse, right? Like everybody from you know tech firms to to law firms to you know, nonprofits to, you know, sports businesses, whether it's leagues or teams, I mean, you, you name it. I wouldn't say there's anything too, uh, too odd or unique necessarily, but I think, you know, New York is probably the best market in the U.S. to sell into because there's literally tens of thousands of businesses and, you know, sky's the limit when it comes to networking. Yeah, and, and you mentioned kind of learning about other industries, um, was there an industry that you learned something from a customer that you're like, wow, that was really interesting. I might look more into that. Or just by having that kind of in-depth conversation, you then learned tangential things that took you to different companies, different industries. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, candidly, a lot of it is just getting to know people. Right. So um, I think, you know, my approach has always been to, you know, get to know people on a personal level before a professional level, right? Like, I actually love, you know, how you reached out to me and how we got connected, right? It's just like, hey, like, let's get to know some people in the industry and let's meet one another and kind of see what they're all, they're all about. So I think, you know, if you take the time to really get to know people, um, you know, before you try to kind of like act upon like what you're trying to accomplish, right? Like at the end of the day, everyone wants to do a deal, you know, get a new partner on board, things like that. But I think if you like deep down, get to like understand them and what they're all about in their business and, you know, even the personal touch, right? Like where they're from, um, you know, do they have a family? What are they interested in? I think you just, you just, you know, you're going to, you're going to learn a lot just being a sponge. You, you, you mentioned earlier when we were chatting, you've, you've got a little guy. And so, you know, is he bound to be the sales sales one or, or what? I don't know. We'll see, Jake. I mean, he's, uh, he'll be one in a few weeks. He's, uh, he'll be talking he's before already, no time. Yeah, exactly. He's already, he's already crawling around like a, like a madman. And you know, the way, the way he hunts for toys, I, you know, he might be hunting for deals in the future. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. All right. So take us to your transition to FIVO. Uh, again, kind of for our listeners, what FIVO is, uh, what you guys are doing, uh, how you're, how you have been reacting uh, throughout the pandemic and kind of uh, some, some plans going forward. 
Yeah, for sure. So FIVO, um, we're the social cart. So really what we do is um, we enable peer-to-peer -peer sharing and allow for people to purchase and share experiences together, right? So um, live events is inherently a social product, right? If we're going to go to a golf tournament together, we're going to go to the Yankees game together, um, you know, that's something that we want to share in with others. And, and obviously the more the merrier, it makes it more fun, right? So I think by giving you know, consumers a platform to buy their ticket, share it with friends and allowing those friends to do the same. What's super cool is um, we're purely accretive and incremental to our partners' businesses, right? So um, just by plugging in FIVA, you're going to see upside in sales and you're going to see upside in data collection as well. We're a pretty data-driven company. So, um, you know, since I started, it's kind of trended around 15 to 20%, but uh, kind of in that range, you know, ticket sales and revenue that are being driven through our platform by our partners, you know, 15 to 20% are actually at a second order sale. So literally Josh purchases, takes his unique, uh, unique share link and invites Jake. And then Jake invites a bunch of buddies as well. So, you know, 15 to 20%, I mean, that's pretty significant upside just by going about, um, you know, your standard sales and marketing tactics. And I think, um, you know, it serves two value propositions, right? Like, obviously, that's great from a business standpoint. But for the fans, like, we're just making it super easy, right? Um, nobody wants to front the bill and pay for, you know, five, 10 tickets for their friends. Um, ultimately, if I know that I have to do that, I'm going to be pretty conservative and reserve. Like, Jake, if you if I was like, hey, I'll buy your ticket to the game. And you were like, hey, Josh, you know, do you mind if I bring, you know, eight of my other buddies as well? I'm going to probably look at you like you have two heads. So I think we really serve, you know, two big values by, you know, catering to that end consumer and making their lives, you know, super easy and actually making the purchasing experience social. Um, we're driving a ton of value and, and accretive value for, for our teams and our business partners. And in your role as, as chief business officer, what's, what's the biggest focus? What, you know, what are you aiming to do from a, a partnerships perspective you know, working with other entities? Yeah, uh, I'm really glad you asked that question. I'll take a quick step back to kind of like how I got to FIVO as well, because um, you had asked that previously, and then I'll kind of I'll put a bow around everything, hopefully. So, uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate. Um, you know, I was running group sales at the Islanders. I was there for, you know, about three years uh, running group sales both for, uh, for the hockey platform and for the arena side of the house. Um, was fortunate enough to go to the Yankees, I found out that they were actually starting the first ever outbound sales uh, department for group sales. Obviously, I knew, you know, group sell sales really well. That was kind of my expertise. And I said to myself, man, you know, the Yankees powerful brand, um, first outbound team, um, you know, that, that sounds like a pretty special opportunity. So, you know, fortunately, I got the job. It was funny when I was uh, interviewing, I was like, okay, cool. Like, what's the what's the group business like today? Um, you know, it was, it was a close to a $10 million business. And I said to myself, I was like, man, you know, these guys are doing significant business and volume and it's all inbound via the box office. Uh, you know, so I was, I was able to staff up a team, you know, put some programs in place, put some people in place, uh, you know, and, and double the business pretty quickly, uh, in, in short time, right? Like wasn't rocket science, just, um, you know, putting the, the, the people and the structure in place and kind of building off the foundation that they already had, 
and you know just doing doing the standard you know b2b and doing the outreach and it, it ended up being pretty successful so fivo um we were actually um another company previously uh that um you know was more focused on nightlife the the short story of it is jake is um the yankees were the first sports team to use the earlier company as a distribution channel for tickets, right? They had about a hundred thousand people in their database. Um, but you know, this company kind of maxed out like the nightlife space and they were trying to be a marketplace in sports and it just wasn't going to work. So, so Ari, who's my boss, who's our CEO kind of came in and said, Hey, look, we're going to, you know, actually kill this model. We're going to build this as a software uh, and allow, you know, the peer to peer, you know, kind of friend groups, um, and we're gonna we're gonna integrate this with the ticketing companies, and we're gonna actually build out a software model. So um, I met Ari through the Yankees, just because the Yankees were the first team to kind of engage with the company on the sports side. And he kind of kind of came in and said, "Hey, look, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get rid of this model. We're gonna move forward in the new model. Like you were kind of the first person, uh, and the Yankees were kind of the first person to believe in what we were doing as a concept, but." Here's how we're going to turn it digital and actually turn it into a software. I got super excited. Um, you know, for one, I've always been really, you know, all about tech. And I thought Fivo was kind of the perfect marriage of tech and, you know, my experience on the team side and in ticketing to kind of come together. And, you know, again, you know, fortunately for me, uh, I kind of took the opportunity to, you know, my boss at the Yankees, Kevin Dart, who's a huge friend and, and mentor of mine. And just kind of laid everything out and said, hey, look, like, what do you think about this? And uh, Kevin, you know, kind of thought it was an opportunity and encouraged me to go after it. And, uh, you know, to this day, the Yankees are one of our best clients. So, so very grateful for that. And I think, um, you know, look, I think for me, it was kind of the right place, right time, like good experience. And, uh, you know, was fortunate enough to, to meet Ari and, and the company in the early days. Yeah. So kind of to put it to your, your point about, you know, what do I do? Yeah. What do I do as the um, chief business officer? You don't look like I was, you know, involved with signing our first, you know, 50 to hundred partners, um, eventually built out the rest of the sales team uh, with Colin, my colleague in the early days, uh, hired, you know, the client management team, um, you know, Doug on my team now runs that operation, you know, Christine on my team, uh, runs kind of like day-to-day -day ops that we call solution and you know we have about 450 you know live event partners that you know we're servicing and um it's been it's been fun to watch the business grow literally from from a zero dollar you know uh generating business in in 2016 to doing about 80 million dollars worth, worth of tickets in 2019 pre-covid so when you talk about the ticketing side of things, obviously that's changing. Um, things have flipped upside down from a sports industry perspective and tickets are going to look a lot different. Um, not only are they going to look a lot different, but you know, there's that cashless uh, experience for the fan uh, that we've seen over the last couple of weeks in the NFL and, and other stadiums, I'm sure, and arenas will adapt as they go. Um, what are you seeing on that side from a technology standpoint uh, and, and how are you guys adapting? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. I mean, look, um, I feel terrible about what's happening to our industry. Um, you know, 
not lost on me. There's a lot of furloughs, um, a lot of downsizing, layoffs, um, you know, a lot of ticketing and sports businesses, you know, from the moment the NBA was the first to cancel in March to, you know, 72 hours later, you know, people's businesses went to zero. So it's been a really tough year. Um, you know, FIVO, we're fortunate enough to be well capitalized to ride out the storm. We're actually, um, you know, really excited. It's not often that you're given kind of a 12 month period uh, that's a complete open window, right? Uh, to be able to say, you know, blank canvas, what do you want to do and how do you want to solve for the future, right? So, you know, we're definitely, you know, doubling, tripling down on our product. I would say um, if there's one group we can definitely keep super busy during COVID, it's our, it's our tech and our product folks and the engineers and the developers behind FIVO, right? So we're keeping them super busy. We're working on tons of tools and, uh, you know, enhancements that our clients have been asking for. From a COVID perspective, Jake, look, I think, you know, it's not going to change much. Um, I just see COVID accelerating trends that were already happening. And ultimately, I think these are really good trends for consumers and, and businesses alike, right? Like, you know, cashless payments, um, you know, when I go to the grocery store, uh, I don't need, I haven't brought my wallet for, for years because I just do Apple pay on my phone. Right. It's just a, it's an easier buy. It's better on the consumer experience. And obviously with COVID it's safer. Right. So, um, yeah, the ticketing space, you know, going to mobile tickets, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, there's still teams out there that haven't gone to mobile that are now going to go to mobile because of COVID. And it's like, you know what, like the airlines, which is like a pretty legacy industry, like they went to mobile passports um, uh, and boarding passes, excuse me, you know, over a decade ago, right? Like there's really no reason that every team shouldn't be on mobile tickets. Uh, we're a digital tool and we deliver a mobile ticket already. So I think, you know, from our perspective, this is a really good trend and it's, it's better on the team from a data capture perspective and it's better on the end consumer um, you know, from an ease of use perspective as well. There's a million other things I could list, right? Like in-state ordering, um, you know, like that's something that should have been happening five, 10 years ago. Like the technologies over there were, uh, has always been there. We're starting to see that scale up a lot. Uh, we're actually going to be working with our partners to potentially digitize food offers and merchandise offers to go alongside tickets. So I, I'm actually really excited about the trends. It's kind of one of those things, what, like, you know, you go to the gym, you crush your muscles, right? Uh, it feels terrible for a short time, but ultimately it builds back stronger. And, and that's kind of what I see happening with COVID. No, that's a great analogy, but, but let's, let's do talk about some of those trends, right? Because there, there are certain things that I think people can get excited about from a fan experience perspective. And then also, you know, on the business side of things, how can you think a little bit outside the box to your point? It's not necessarily things that are entirely new, but it's more just accelerating them and things that, uh, maybe weren't a norm before. Now we're going to become a norm uh, because of the acceleration aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, listen, you know, for for my industry peers and colleagues who might be listening to this, right? Like, I, I would just say, put yourself in the consumer shoes. Um, you know, eat your own dog food, purchase tickets online, right? Walk in your building. Think about like what you would want the experience to be like, right? You want frictionless, you want flexibility, you want options, right? So I think obviously, you know, 
I'm looking at this a lot through, through a technology focused lens. Um, Cause that's something that I'm really excited about, but it even kind of goes down to your core product offerings, right? Like, am I actually going to buy, you know, a season ticket uh, that's static and I have to go to all 41 games, you know, listen, like people need flexibility. They need options. They need, uh, you know, ticketing products that allow me to, you know, have more of that membership aspect, um, you know, knowing that I'm not going to be able to make it to every game in our, in our busy lives these days, right? Like the season ticket product was created, you know, 50 years ago when it was only your one or two sources of entertainment, right? Like people would go to, you know, eat at restaurants, spend time with their family, you know, go to church or temple and they would go to the game, right? Like we live in the era of Netflix and social media and I have, you know, honestly, too many entertainment options at my disposal, right? So I think, you know, people need to curate products that are more um, appropriate for a 2020 consumer and, and their purchasing behaviors. Um, and, you know, from a technology perspective, right, I think, um, you know, flexibility and ease of use and frictionless is, is definitely are definitely the trends. Where, where's the balance come in from a options versus too many options versus simplicity, right? Like there's kind of this balance of all of it because you don't want to overload someone with options that they don't know what to do or what to pick. Uh, but you also don't want to keep it too simple to where they're not going to enjoy that experience and they're going to go spend their money and their time somewhere else, right? There, what's, like, there's the fine balance. How, how do you go about that? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. Um, you know, I think it, it really depends on the use case, right? Like um, something that we work on, on with a lot of our teams and partners is being a lot more targeted, right? And I think that actually comes down to like data and knowing your consumer. So, um, and, and making sure that you're feeding your consumers the right kind of offers and the right kinds of products, right? Um, so, you know, again, another trend in the front office or, you know, behind the scenes, right, is uh, kind of going back to my Nets experience, we're going away from, you know, being as transactional as possible and we're, we're, we're trying to work a lot smarter, um, you know, so data, you know, analysis, uh, data science, I think is, is a big trend and, and I think sports is actually behind the trend there from an industry perspective, but I do think it's going to catch up over the next three to five years. But, you know, I think, you know, looking at your, your data set, knowing your consumer, um, understanding them, you know, you'll have the, the power to kind of serve them the right offers or the right products. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to online consumer shopping, like you kind of, you kind of have to, you know, look at, you know, what's being successful and do A-B testing and, you know, put different offers and flexibility out there and see what works and what's done it doesn't. And it, it's gotta be a constant iteration. I think, you know, one trend that I think I'd like to see more of, uh, there are some teams that are really good at doing this, like our friends at the Milwaukee Bucks, for example. Um, but really like when you're buying tickets online, um, you should really be thinking about it through the lens of e-commerce and conversion. And that means, you know, ultimately, you know, being targeted with your offer, um, giving people like good options to buy, but not too many to your point. And really like looking at the Google analytics and, and the consumer journey online and seeing what's working and continuing to iterate on it. Yeah, there's so much data behind it, as you mentioned, you know, 
from a skill set perspective, you've got to understand not only what does the data mean, but then how does it apply to any sort of use case, as you mentioned, you know, for those that are trying to continue to learn about that space. And for someone like yourself who went from sales, who understood the consumer, but maybe didn't understand the data side as much. And now you're learning more and more about the data and the tech side to where you can kind of connect the dots and put those two together. For someone who's listening to this, who's maybe in an inside sales program or in an entry level sales role or in sponsorship sales, how do you suggest to go and learn about more connecting the dots from a data perspective um, and ask the right questions? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, candidly, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, the, top, the college degree in my mind is becoming kind of an antiquated thing nowadays, right? It's really just about certification so you can get a job. Um, if you wanna learn about data or tech tools or how you can advance your career by kind of like learning some different skill sets, the resources online nowadays are, are amazing. Um, Udemy is really powerful. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of LinkedIn learning. Like I took an intro to data science class on LinkedIn learning. I think it was an hour long. Um, and look, you know, when you're in these positions at the teams, um, you know, if, if your organization is not, you know, working with you to, you know, basically spoon feed you the best leads and, and qualify them and, and segment them for you, you know, I think that's something that should be challenged, right? Like there's so many uh, tools out there you know, everything from, you know, CRM to, you know, automated outreach tools and follow-up tools that are in the market that I think are super, super powerful. It's just making sure you're reaching out to the right people. And I think the resources and, uh, and the technology is, is definitely available. It doesn't matter what level, level you're at. No, that's a great point. There's, there's so many things out there to your point. We have so many options to learn, right? It's just a matter of taking the time, learning the right thing, and then asking the right questions to ultimately connect with the right people and continue to learn more and kind of that, that cyclical matter. Um, let's wrap it up with, with, with a rapid fire a little bit, because that's always a fun way to end an episode. Um, as you're, you know, you mentioned you have 450 plus partners from a stadium venue perspective. Um, what is the, the thing that you're most excited about in the future from a fan experience perspective? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting trend. You know, stadiums are going smaller versus larger, right? And they're making it more interactive in the building. Um, I'm the type of guy, I mean, I have ADD. Like, I, I like to be on the move. Like, when I go to a game, uh, I love going to a Yankee game every summer, right? I'm in my seat for maybe like two or three innings. Otherwise, I'm getting food, I'm walking around, I'm drinking beers. So you know, and I'm socializing, right? So I think we're seeing some in, some inter interesting trends around, you know, group and social spaces. It's less about being static in your seat. Um, I mean, there's some pretty cool stuff happening. You know, people are kind of uh, building like esports into their stadiums now, into some of the lounges. Uh, I think there's, you know, AR, VR sort of experiences that are starting to come to light as well. I think, you you know, the, the in-stadium experience just needs to be much more about the game. And uh, that's something that I'm really excited about. I think, I think it, it, you know, gives you a different lens to look at entertainment. And I also think it gives you the potential to draw, um, you know, different people into the, into the building as well. 
No, it's great. Best sporting event that you've been to in the New York area? Um, I'm biased because I used to work there. Um, and, you know, I love all my New York sports teams. It's not just the best experience in New York. It's literally the best experience in sports, period. Uh, legends in Yankee Stadium. It's like a country club. You know, you go in there, you have steak and shrimp and you're behind home plate and you can come and go as you please. It's, it's, it's really, it's hands down the best experience in sports. I've been to a lot of, a lot of buildings. Um, obviously for work, I've seen a lot of buildings, you know, just going to the front offices and meeting with the teams, but I've probably been to, you know, at least 60 buildings for, for live events. And, uh, you know, the Yankees nailed it, man. Legends is, is definitely where it's at. It's a, it's a, it's a really pretty special experience to watch a game. All right. So you're, you're all into the fan experience of the new stadium, but compare what's, what's better, the old or the new? I mean, you know, I, I fortunately went to a couple of games at the old stadium. It had that nostalgia behind it, right? Like it's a really special place. Um, even as a Yankees fan, right? Like one of my favorite places is Fenway. You, you, you just walk in Fenway and you appreciate the history, right? As a, as a sports fan. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm still a bigger fan of the new Yankee stadium though. They really, they did a, a great job. It's clean, awesome sight lines. And you know, the in, in stadium entertainment is really phenomenal. No, that's great. I've been to both as well and, and couldn't agree more. But uh, last two questions. Event in New York that you haven't been to that you need to go to once you can go back to an event? Ooh. Uh, hmm, good question. Like I've always wanted to go you to know, the Nathan's I hot dog eating bit... contest on July 4th. Like that's always been a thing for a long time. Still obviously haven't gotten there, but That's definitely a popular one for sure. And, you know, going to Coney Island, it's like classic Brooklyn, New York. It's like a, definitely a, a, a checklist item. I think I'm kind of jaded because I've worked in sports and, um, and I've been to so many games. You know, candidly, like one of the first things that I'm looking forward to doing in a post-COVID world is going to a music festival and, uh, and running around that side with a bunch of my friends. There's, you know, obviously there's some really good ones that come to New York, whether it's you know, GovBall or EDC, uh, you know, there's, there's a number of good ones that come in and out of the city every year, but definitely, definitely looking forward to, to the festival business, getting back up and running and, and enjoying some music with my friends. All right. So uh, Bryson DeChambeau won the U.S. Open and went to Sal's Pizza. What do you have? What, what's, what's the go-to pizza spot? Ooh, there's so many. That's a really tough question. Um, I mean, listen, I lived, you know, on the Upper East Side for, for, you know, a decade. So like Luigi's was my spot. Uh, it's not a famous, famous place, but I think if you ask any New Yorker, um, you know, the thing that's about New York, right, is like every 10 block radius is like its own city. So I think everyone just has, you know, like their go-to, you know, pizza spot, Chinese spot, you know, bagel spot, right? All the... All the, all the yummy spots that they go to in their neighborhood. And there's always a Starbucks every other block for sure, uh, guaranteed, right? Yeah, I think, I think behind NYU, I'm pretty sure Starbucks is the, is the number two landlord, uh, you know, real estate holder in, in New York City. That's for sure. That's crazy. All right, last thing as we wrap.
but um, one thing that you that you are uh, looking forward to from a sports experience perspective uh, in a post-COVID world where uh, you can go to the venue and uh, go to any game that you want. Yep. So here is the perfect experience for me. I think FIBA plays into this a little bit, but the industry trends play into it as well. I want to be able to go online, buy my ticket, scan it at the door, not talk to anybody on the way in, right? Like pure mobile scan. I want to walk to my seats. I want to whip out my phone. I want to order, you know, food throughout the game. I don't want to go to any counter or talk to anybody. Um, the only person that I would want to talk to is, you know, the gentleman or the gal who's, you know, who's, who's doing the food delivery, which I would obviously say, thank you. Hope you're having a great day. And then, you know, maybe I'll even order like a merch item or a, or a, a hat at the game as well. And, you know, I can just pick that up, you know, at a, at a table or at a pickup delivery kind of location at the team store on my way out of the building. And I just have a perfectly you know, self-serve customer experience where, you know, I don't have any friction. I don't really have to talk to anybody. I can just go about my day and enjoy spending time catching up with my friends. And it's it's about as hassle-free and, and people-less as possible. Love, love the forward thinking, absolutely. And uh, certainly looking forward to catching up again on another episode to see how that experience goes. And Josh, appreciate the insights, the advice, and um, best of luck throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, thank you, man. I think we're going to get there on the experience piece. And uh, appreciate you having me on the show, man. It's, it's been a pleasure and um, looking forward to staying in touch. Absolutely.